My daughter Megan was the first child to be born as a grandchild on Sherry's side of the family and missed it by one month on my side of the family. So as you can imagine, uh, she was a blessed little girl because both sets of grandparents were all excited. And uh, I remember we used to, it was, it was we were constantly getting some little frilly dress in the mail. Uh, you know, we live far away from our parents. And so, uh, you know, uh, all these toys and things were constantly coming, constantly coming. And uh, it was a great blessing to us, you know, because when you're starting out, you know, it's, it's a help. Uh, but, you know, grandparents delight to bless their grandchildren, don't they? Uh, somebody once said that the reason grand, grandparents and grandchildren get along so well is because uh, they have a common enemy. Uh, so I don't know if that's true, but, uh, but we're glad that God delights to bless us. And uh, I, I tell you what, I'm so grateful for the work that, that God did in sending his son Jesus Christ to, to pay the price for our sin. And we need that blessing upon our lives. And, and Jesus' work on the cross and what Jesus did in living his perfect life and all of these things had an incredible impact and, and provided incredible blessing for those who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. And uh, in these verses here in the first chapter of John, we're going to talk about some of the blessings that Jesus brings. And some of the names that are given to him here show the blessings that he brings. Uh, this is it kind of expounded on and explained in more detail in the rest of the gospel. But it is given to us in succinct, compact form here in the first chapter of the book of John. And so we need to come to Jesus Christ for these blessings. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, uh, you need to choose to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus and his work on the cross for you so that you can find his forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, if you're here today as a Christian, uh, you also need to come to Jesus for these blessings because he gives us these blessings, but sometimes... We don't enjoy them to the full extent because we're not walking with Christ. So you come to Jesus for the full enjoyment of the blessings that he brings as well. Uh, the title of my message is The Blessings Jesus Brings. Look with me at John chapter 1 and verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, here he says, Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be the children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The blessings Jesus brings. What are those blessings? Well, the first one I want you to see is he brings a new life. He brings a new life. 
I kind of like the translation that puts it the way, the order it is in the Greek in verse 4. In him was life. I want you to know something. Jesus is the source of life because he's the creator. But even more, Jesus is the source of spiritual life and the change that comes about only by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, later on in this book, uh, in chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Something happened in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the garden. There was a separation between them and God. But through the cross, the work of Jesus Christ at the cross, you who were far, Scripture says, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus and this life that comes to the heart of every human being that puts their trust in Jesus Christ is an eternal life. And it is, it is a life that begins at the moment of trust in Christ and lasts forever. Uh, Jesus said to Lazarus, uh, he's, uh, I mean to Martha about Lazarus, he says, don't you know uh, that your brother will be raised again? And she says, well, well of course he'll be raised in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. You see, Jesus Christ will one day raise the dead. Every Christian who's ever put their trust in Christ will be raised to new life, a glorified body that we'll receive at the resurrection. The lost will be raised for the judgment. Uh, but there is an eternal life that begins at the moment of salvation. That's why Jesus says, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Because the moment you put your trust in Christ, a new life begins in your heart. And uh, God begins to help you to experience life the way it was meant to be experienced. You remember Jesus um, He's, he's interacting with the woman at the well, and he says, I'll give you water that, that you'll never be thirsty again. And she says, well, give me some of this water. That right? sounds good. And, and, and he talks about it. He says, a well of water will come up from your heart, welling up into eternal life. And he, he's speaking of that new life that comes to a person who is a child of God. I want you to know, um, this world talks about life and having meaningful life but this world cannot supply the spiritual life that Jesus supplies. He is the sole source of this life. And the reason that he can give this life to us when we lost it through our sin is because he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and rose again. And the Bible says because he died, we can live. He brings this new life into us. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it abundantly. You see, that's where it comes. So you come to Christ for life at salvation. He gives you this new life within uh, so that you can live for him. And you have a new set of desires. You have a, 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 new, set, a, a new set of, uh, of just a heartbeat to follow God, and, and it brings joy to your life. But then as a Christian, you can continue to choose to come to Jesus Christ and to walk with him and you can receive the fullness of this life in your, in your heart, in your life. 
Uh, you can receive the joy unspeakable and full of glory, the peace that passes understanding as you bring your burdens and your problems and your heartaches to Christ and he puts the salve of his spirit upon your heart and, and, and brings his joy in the middle of trouble. This is the life that he's given. It's a life that is, is consistent throughout your life as you follow Christ. Um, the joy is consistent, uh, but it's a life that can never stop. It's eternal life. Some people say, well, I, I heard you could lose your salvation. And I, my question is, well, how long is eternal life? It's eternal. John 17, 1 says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, you see, life is found in a person. It's found when Jesus Christ enters a person's heart. That's where life begins. And so, um, I encourage you to come to Jesus for that life. I, I remember when I, when I was lost and I was struggling about whether or not to give my heart to Christ. And I thought, you know, if I surrender to Christ, if I, if I lay my life down, uh, I, I'm going to lose this and this and this. I'm not going to be able to do this. And, you know, I had this list of things. that I, That's the reason there was a struggle, because I, I didn't want to stop with these things. And uh, I remember when I finally surrendered to Christ, my life began. It's like the weight of guilt was gone and the joy of the Lord came in my life and, and, and my heart. And, and I began a new life. Um, this is what Jesus desires for every person. And, and John is saying, um, in him was life. It's still true today. In him is life. Jesus shows that that is true because he, he raised up from the dead. He says, no one takes my life from it. I lay it down and I'll take it up again. Jesus is the source. He is the author and finisher. He is the source of all life. Every breath that you take in your physical body is a gift of Christ. But also your spiritual life is a gift of Christ. Come to him for that full, abundant life. Um. How often, uh, I, you know, I'll hear somebody say, you know, my life has been different since Jesus came in. And uh, well, you've heard Robert share that. Robert shared that a, a while back and about how Jesus made a change in his life. My dad was another uh, a case of that where he had been pursuing wealth. And he found out that it left him empty. It didn't bring the joy he thought it was going to bring. He gave his heart to Christ and he went from... Thoughts of suicide to a heart of joy. Isn't that amazing? That's a, that's a change. That's a life that can come into a person and, and change them through Jesus Christ. In him was life. And so one of the blessings that Jesus brings is a new life. But the second blessing Jesus brings is a new understanding. A new understanding. Look at the second part of verse 4. And that life was the light of men. What does light do? Reveals, doesn't it? You know, have you, ever, have you ever been walking around in your bedroom when you get up in the morning and you hit your shin on something? And, oh, oh, you know. And Mondays usually begin that way, right? And uh, then you turn on the light. It's amazing how much better you can navigate if you've got a little bit of light, right? 
Uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who lives and believes in me shall never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Look with me. He mentions light shining in the darkness in verse 5. He mentions John testifying about the light in verse 7. Uh, in verse 8. But then in verse 9, he says, The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I like that verse. He gives light to everyone. Jesus is shining the light. By the way, that's the reason his name is the Word, right? In, in John chapter 1, there's a message to Jesus' life. The, the message that Jesus brings to us And the understanding that he gives us is is amazing. The Bible calls it a mystery that was hidden from the foundations of the world now has been revealed in Jesus Christ. What does he show us? What does he help us to understand? Well, one thing he helps us understand is how a, a perfect, holy, spotless God can love and have a relationship with a sinful, wretched How do you reconcile those two things? Israel, over and over again in the the Old Testament, failed God, failed God, sinned against God, sinned against God. He sent them prophets, he sent them kings, he sent them judges. uh, All these different things, and nothing seemed to get through. Nothing could quite deal with the problem of sin. There There was this constant going back to what was displeasing to God. And God had told them in his covenant, if you disobey me, you're going into captivity. And indeed, that's what took place. They get back from captivity also in accordance with God's promise. And one of the first things they do is start committing idolatry again. Nehemiah and Ezra had to deal with it. It's a history of failure from beginning to end. And the great question of the Old Testament is, how will this problem of sin be dealt with? In Jesus, you have the The answer to that question, Jesus, being the God-man, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. He's the only one that lived a perfect life and a life that through that that perfect living would would find entrance into heaven if it was one of us. None of us do that. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus lived that perfect life. And as God's perfect life, substitute went to a cross and took your sin and my sin upon himself and bore the full penalty of it on the cross. The wrath of God was satisfied upon Jesus. The justice of God was satisfied upon Jesus. The redemption price was paid through the death of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, the firstborn son had to be redeemed and they would offer a sacrifice in place of the firstborn son and God told Israel, you're my firstborn. It was a picture that there would be a substitutionary death to redeem, to pay the price for that people to have a relationship with God. It happened at the cross. Everything that was needed took place at the cross so that you and I could have a relationship with God, so that we could find forgiveness for sin. Not only forgiveness for sin, but the power of God to overcome it in our lives. So he sends the Holy Spirit of God, but that could not come unless he first died 
That's what, that's what he told the disciples. He said, unless I go, I can't send the comforter to you. And so Jesus paid the price for sin. He ascended after his resurrection to the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit. Everything you and I are, everything you and I enjoy, all comes about through the work of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, there's, there would be none of us forgiven. There would be none of us going to heaven. There would be none of us enjoying a relationship with God were it not for a man called Jesus Christ who went to a cross to pay the price for our sin. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus could do that. And so he shines that light, that truth to us through his greatest work, his work on the cross. But, but in everything he did, he was a light. Have you ever thought about this? In the Old Testament, they had explanations about what God was like. Sometimes God would intervene in a circumstance, maybe in somebody's life, and he would do something for somebody, and they would give him a name like uh, Hagar. Gave God the name, the Lord, who sees me in her trouble. And she, she says, God sees me in my trouble. And so we learn about God through the experiences of people and what he does in their lives. And, and we learn about God through what we're told in the Old Testament. But uh, there's a difference between having somebody described to you and meeting them, isn't there? Have you ever had somebody tell you about somebody and then when you meet them it's different? <laughs> there's something different you get the full picture and, and when Jesus came in, in how he treated sinners we saw the heart of God he told Philip Philip if you've seen me you've seen the Father in everything Jesus said in everything that Jesus did in the heart of Jesus the compassion of Jesus the tears over Jerusalem the intercession that he offered up and the, the, the power that he displayed. All of these things pointed to the Father and said, This is what God is like. He gave us a whole new understanding of what God is like. Jesus gives a new understanding. So as you read the Gospels and you see Jesus responding to sinners, know that he'll respond to you in the same way. God says it's not his pleasure that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. That's the heart of God. That's why the light shines to every person. Amen? Every person. Even somebody on the far side of the world who's never heard the gospel has seen the glory of God in creation, has been given a conscience by God to respond to him, and has a sense that God exists and they need to respond to him. The light is shining. But Jesus is the light like no other light. Um, he gives us a new understanding. God, Jesus also gives us a new understanding so that we can be secure in our relationship with God. Have you ever thought about that? I love Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have ongoing peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ and access into this grace 
in which we now stand. Can I tell you something? Jesus gave me a whole new understanding of grace. I was meditating on Romans chapter 5 and, I, and, and on what Jesus has done for us. And I realized because of the work of Christ, there will never be a time as a believer in Jesus Christ that I don't stand in his grace. You ever thought about that? Meditate on that. Think chew on that. Think about that. That will set you free. I can have boldness in his presence because of the, the work of Jesus Christ. I'm justified, acquitted, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I can go before his presence with boldness in prayer. This is the new understanding that Christ gives us. I could go on, but uh, what, a, what a blessing Jesus is. And uh, Hebrews says that... Um, God has spoken to us in different ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. Jesus is the supreme revelation of who God is. He gives us a new understanding. So, uh, the blessing Jesus brings. First of all, a new life. Secondly, a new understanding. Thirdly, a new relationship. Look at verse 12. He talks about the fact that his own didn't receive him. Jesus came... Uh, his own didn't receive him, but verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. That believing is a trusting. The trust involves that surrender in our hearts, uh, which is repentance. It involves that trust in Jesus to forgive us and to give us the gift of eternal life. But you receive a person. You ever thought about that? Really, that's what salvation is. Yes, you make a choice. Uh, yes, you're, you're trusting in Jesus, but you're actually receiving him. Many people don't want to receive Jesus in our culture today, do they? Uh, you have people, they, they want to take Jesus out of any kind of public display. They want to take Jesus and teaching about Jesus out of the school system. Uh, they want to, to banish Jesus. God's morality and all of these things. They're not receiving it. But guess what? Not much has changed in 2,000 years. He's still coming to his own. His own still aren't receiving it. But there are some who receive him. Praise God. Aren't you glad? To those who receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Even to those who believe on his name. Guess what? You don't have to, to work it up. Some people think, you know, I've got to get right with God as far as get all my act together and get everything worked out before I can come to Christ. No, you don't. All you've got to do is receive Jesus. Receive him in simple trust. And you'll have the right to be called children of God. It's a new relationship. Um, I heard a story about a, a, a little boy. He was adopted, adopted, and he was playing with his friend, and his his friend told him, you know, I feel sorry for you. He said, because you're adopted. He said, why do you feel sorry for me? He says, your parents are stuck with you. My parents chose me. And, uh, he, you know, uh, that's a picture of adoption, isn't it? He says, many has received him. To them gave he the right to be called the children of God. I want you to know something. That is an amazing, amazing thing. 
that God would adopt us into his very family. That God would love us and, and want a relationship with us. Did you know that's been God's heart all the time? Uh, back in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He'd have fellowship with them. Relationship. Of course, that was broken when they sinned. And, um, but throughout the prophets, and, and even in Deuteronomy and the law, you, you find God saying, this is what I, what I desire. I want to relate to you. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, but I want to love you. I want to bless you. I want to have a relationship with you. And, and in the prophets, when they had failed so miserably, he comes back and he says, listen, judgment's coming, but I'm going to tell you, I have a plan of restoration. And what's going to happen when this plan, which by the way was Jesus Christ, when this plan takes place, you will be my people, and I myself will be with you, and I will be your God. That's the heart of God, to relate to you and to me in relationship. Um, without Jesus, it would have been impossible. But Jesus has made the way, uh, first of all, to begin a relationship, but also to continue in it. Did you know the Bible says that Christ's sacrifice takes care of every bit of our sin? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Past, present, future. That's why salvation's a gift. I didn't earn it to get it, and I can't earn it to keep it. It's a gift from beginning to end. You see, without that, I would have no assurance of relationship with God. Because guess what? Even though I have the power to overcome sin through the Holy Spirit within me, I don't do it perfectly. I sin against God and so do you. And so the Bible says we come to him and we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He takes that broken fellowship. It's not that I'm not saved anymore, but it's, there's a distance in my relationship with God. He takes that away so that I can have fellowship with, with him again. How does that happen? Through the blood of Christ. The same thing that saved you is the, is the thing that restores your fellowship. The blood, there's an old song that says the blood will never lose its power. Can I tell you, that's, that's so true. It will never lose its power in your life. It will never cease to be sufficient to bring you into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Um, so God has a new relationship. And um, I, I remember what took place in my life when, when I was saved. I, I was raised in church. So I knew all the songs. I, you know, I knew... Uh, I would sing them. I, they meant nothing to me, but I would sing them. And I knew what to say in church, and I knew how to act and, you know, um, to play the church game, right? But I, I didn't know God. I remember when I, uh, when I first came to that place where I surrendered my life, and I, I repented of my sin, and, and I, I trusted Christ, and all of a sudden, I knew him. And now, the songs mean something to me. And the more that I learn about what Christ has done, the more they mean to me. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. That relationship will never stop because of the work of Christ. So, 
um, he brings about this new relationship. Jesus says we're to approach God the Father in prayer by saying, Abba, Father. It's, it's the Hebrew equivalent of Dada. You ever had your kids come up and lift their arms up to you and say, Dada? What do you do? Pick them up, right? Love on, maybe give them a kiss or whatever. Uh, that's God's heart toward you and me. Uh, you come in that simple sense of dependence upon him, knowing that he accepts you. Guess what? You don't have to be sophisticated in your prayers. You don't have to say thee and thou and, and have a holy tone when you pray. You don't have to do that. You come to God boldly. It's, it's just, just a simple reaching out toward God in your heart. And because you're his child, he delights to relate to you. Uh, one of the awesome things about the relationship that we have with God is that God knows us perfectly. Now this is may be true to some degree in a, in a relation, if you're blessed in a relationship that you have with a human being, they know you and they love you anyway. Okay? If you have that situation, you're blessed. But God knows us completely. You know, our spouse may know us, but they don't know us the way God knows us. Your best friend may know you, but they don't know you the way God knows you. God knows every wicked thought you've ever had, every wicked word you've ever said, every wicked thing you've ever done, everything, everything that you were supposed to do that you didn't do. He, he sees it all, past, present, future. He knows it completely. What does the scripture say? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Old Testament says it pleased the Father to crush him. That's God's heart toward you. A new relationship. Enjoy it. Spend time with him in your quiet time. Don't treat it as a chore. Don't treat it as something you, oh, i got to have my quiet time. You know? Treat it as a privilege. You get to interact with your heavenly Father who loves you. You get to share with him your burdens and concerns. You get to, to worship him for his goodness to you. Let that relationship be a blessing in your life. That's what the abundant life is all about. It's enjoying that relationship with Christ. The blessings Jesus brings, a new life, a new understanding, a new relationship, and finally, a new heart. Look at verse 13. <clears throat> Speaking about those who, who believe in Jesus, he says, who are born, not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man. In other words, this is not a physical birth, but they were born of God. When you make a choice to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are born again. What does that mean? Well, part of it means that that new life begins in you that we talked about earlier. But it also means that you have a whole new capacity for how to live life. Uh, the Bible says that before we're saved, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. So you're brought to life. It means that you have a new ability and a new desire to follow Jesus Christ. Sometimes people worry, well, if I come to Christ, you know, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to, I'm choosing to turn from my sin, how am I going to do it? I'll tell you how. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new ability, a new desire to follow Jesus. 
And, and that new heart within you, though you'll still have that old nature, you, you will have a new nature that wants to please Christ. And you'll have the Holy Spirit to help you live for him. So that new heart means that God will change you inside. You talk about a solution for sin, how to reverse what happened in the garden. God gives us a new heart. Um, have you ever, as a believer, had the wrong attitudes in your heart? Guess what? He gave you that new heart, but he can also renew it, <laughs> refresh it, restore it. Um, my dad's had several heart surgeries, and they put a stent in him and several times. And then they did bypass surgery, and they worked on his heart. You know what I, what I found? When they would do those surgeries on him, he would feel significantly better. His color in his cheeks would even be better. And uh, after his bypass surgery, he was telling me, he said, you know, it's like it, it's taking years off my life. I, after he recovers, you know, it takes a while to recover, but it made such a difference. Did you know that as a Christian, God can restore your heart? He can do spiritual heart surgery on you and give you a new heart. So it's not just when you come to faith in Jesus that you're born again, but God continues to renew and sustain you in the right heart, the right attitude. So you can take that to God in prayer. You can say, Lord, I've got a lousy attitude. My heart's not right. Will you change my heart? And, and, and you come to him, and it's kind of that upward hands lifted thing, and, and God comes alongside you and helps you and restores you and refreshes you. He does that through his word. He does that through fellowship with other believers. Uh, but he also does that through prayer. Sometimes I've prayed, Lord, I'm not sure what I need, but give me what I need. God restores us. And so, <clears throat> Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Did you know it's not up to you to sustain your Christian life? Yes, you've got to make choices, okay? But God enables you to make those choices. Jesus supplies the power to sustain it. He's the author of it. You couldn't have come to Christ unless he sent the Holy Spirit to convict you and draw you. And he's the finisher of it. One day when Jesus comes back in the clouds of glory and raptures his church, uh, then eternity begins. No more sin nature, and we'll live with a right heart forever. In the meantime, you can trust Jesus to do heart surgery on you. You can come to him for a changed heart. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you really need the Lord to do a work in your heart. You say, well, well preacher, I'm a good person. I do good things for people. I, I, I live... Most people consider me to be a good person. Well, yes, but <clears throat> though a lost person can do good things for people, the fact is that we have hearts that are colored by different motives. Um, and, and even in the doing of good for others, sometimes there's a selfish interest. Isn't that true? Have you ever done something and realized that somebody didn't respond the way you wanted and you got mad? You know what that shows you? You didn't have the right motive. If you're doing something out of a pure motive for somebody else, an act of kindness, an act of goodness, and then they don't say thank you. Did you know if you've done it with the right motive, the motive of obedience to Christ and to exalt him, that uh, it, it's not going to rock your world. You're not going to say, well, I'm not doing that anymore. They, they didn't respond to me the right way. I'm not doing it anymore. Right? If you're doing it for Christ, 
you will continue. What if Jesus had said, boy, these Pharisees, they keep giving me trouble. You know what? I'm just chucking this whole Messiah thing. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm tired of their attitude. I'm tired of their ingratitude. I'm tired of their accusations. You know, I, I'm just checking this off. Praise God he didn't do that. Jesus set his face toward the cross. Why? Because he had a perfect and a pure heart. And he set his face toward the cross because he had a love for you and me. We didn't deserve it. But he loved us anyway. Uh, so you need God to do a work in your heart. If you're, if you're lost, you, you need a new heart. Come to Jesus for it. So the blessings Jesus brings, <clears throat> a new life, a new understanding, a new relationship, and a new heart. Come to Jesus for it. He will bring these blessings to your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you love the world so much you gave your only begotten son. And Lord, I, I pray that this morning we will receive all that you want to give us as your people. The fullness of that relationship with you, Lord, and the new life and understanding, a new heart. Uh, Lord, we'll get renewed in our spirit and, and understand what you've done for us so that we can live that life of joy. And for, for those here today, Lord, who have never made a decision to turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus, to receive his...